0: Like, be incognito
1: about their alcoholism? I don't know! Because every Hallmark movie is the exact same movie with a different cast. Oh. God, you should not laugh at that. Do not be (laughs) proud. No one laughs. No one should be encouraging that. I'm
0: Ashley. I'm Megan. And this is Wine and and Dine. Dine. Everyone, I'm Ashley, and I'm Megan, and this is Wine and Dine. Dine. So for March, of course, we were to be reading "Meet Me in Monaco" by Hazel Gennor and Heather Webb. And I feel like that just no, I'll just cut that off. Proves a point that you know. We should all try to silence your phones. Okay, so here's a funny thing. podcast.
1: I do silence my phone, (laughs) but that's specifically Ryan's ringtone. And so I have it set on my phone that if he texts or calls, that it ignores a silence thing. Oh, okay. Because I thought I could just do it for calls. Mm -hmm. So, because he never calls me. So if if he's calling me, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Apparently when you set it for that person, it sets it for texts and calls. And I don't, I'm sure there's a way to turn it off. I don't know, but how. you haven't fit, you haven't figured that so out. So everyone yet. say hi to Ryan. That was him. Okay, but I'm not checking it because I'm committed to this podcast. <laughs> as I was not committed to this book. <laughs> I I'm right there with you. This book was not
0: the book for me. Uh, you know what? And y- there's gonna be duds. We're always there's gonna that's always gonna happen. Um, I definitely DNF this. I did not finish it. I got about forty percent of the way through, um, and I just. It wasn't driving well with me, and I was just like, you know what? No, I'm not. I can't. I'm not pushing it. I'm not going to push because that is something that you and I agreed on. Yes. That we are not pushing.
1: Reading is meant to be fun. It is not meant to be a requirement. And I feel like that goes for everyone, especially (laughs) us. We have a reading podcast, guys. Mm -hmm. And if we just read this book because, oh, well, we said we'd do it for the podcast. (laughs) It's not fun anymore. Yeah. We're not doing this podcast because we make money. We make nothing off of this. This is not a job for us. I'm not Mm going to do this as a requirement. I I wanted to read the book, in all honesty. I thought it sounded really cool. The premise was really fun. Mm Mm-hmm. I literally just didn't have time. Um, if you guys listened to our last episode, you know that I got a new job, and I'm loving it, and it's so much fun, but mm. I'm still at the juvie, um, mm. so <laughs> just for a couple more days, but it's really hard working two full-time jobs and finding time to read. I didn't even find time to watch TV. Yeah. I literally put on YouTube to fall asleep. I guarantee, even if it was a five-minute YouTube, ep- I didn't finish it. I yeah. fell asleep You're almost just right away. You're just tired. So, I'm, you know, this is one of those books that I wanted to. I just didn't get around to it. But I feel better. (laughs) I think this is the first time it's ever happened where Ashley also DNF'd. And I didn't know. I was Mm -hmm. like, please don't be mad at me. I didn't get to read the book. And she goes, oh, good, neither did I.
0: (laughs) I just, we're gonna, I'm gonna start the... The point where if I do talk about spoilers, you have been warned. There won't be a lot of spoilers, to be honest, just because I only read about 40% of the book and that's not yeah all of it. So we're probably only going to get up to a certain point within the book for spoilers. So honestly, go give it a try for yourself. Uh, it, it does get mixed reviews. It is a decently... Um, Star rated book. Yeah. It's like right there in the middle of 3.5. Uh, I can see why people give it a 3.5, to be honest. I feel like it is a a good, steady book. Now, with that being said, there are things that I just, as a reader myself, didn't enjoy, didn't like. Um, and one of the things was is that I felt like I got lied to. Oh, no. <laughs> so, okay, you know how I was talking to you about this book and I was like, oh, it's going to be, we're going to follow Grace Kelly, you know, right before she gets engaged to the Prince of Monaco and her wedding and this, yeah. that, and the other. And we're going to follow the reporter that, you know, does eventually become her sole photographer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I got that conclusion from. but That is not
1: what this book is about. Well, I mean, you got it from the back, though, didn't you? I, I thought I did. Okay, so here's what the back says. Movie stars and paparazzi flock to Cannes for the glamorous film festival, but Grace Kelly, the biggest star of all, wants only to escape the flashbulbs. When struggling perfumer Sophie Duval shelters Miss Kelly at her boutique to fend off the persistent British press photographer James Henderson, a bond is forged between the two women and set in motion a chain of events that stretches across 30 years of friendship, love, and tragedy. So. It sounds like
0: it's gonna have a lot of for a Grace Kelly point of view. Like, you'll probably also get Sophie's point of view.
1: Yeah. But and there is a photographer in here because there's another yeah. little brief thing about how he can't forget his brief encounter with sophie who's the girl sheltering grace kelly mm-hmm. and so he kind of starts to fall for sophie apparently is what it looks like on the back yeah i know that's but 100%. this is the guy that eventually becomes yeah grace so kelly's like, photographer yeah, so, so if you actually open
0: the book there is a photo of grace kelly I can find it hang on flippy 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 yeah yeah right there during her mgm studios and i'm so it's supposed to be like that headshot is the one that he takes
1: yeah
0: of sorts but so it makes sense on why you would think that though yeah. i can understand
1: why you would feel lied to
0: i i really do feel lied to so we mm-hmm. get grace kelly maybe 2% of the time in the book most of the time we're following Sophie mm-hmm. and we're following um James the, James, the photographer and that's mm-hmm. it like we're just following their things that happen to them so like
1: And maybe if we got further in the book, she would show up? I don't know, maybe.
0: It's not like she's not there. Like, she's there. She's just not the
1: main... She's
0: not the main focal point of the book. The main focal point of the book is Sophie and how she basically brings her struggling perfumery into the modern era which if you actually look duvan is actually still out there they are still making perfumes oh um yeah no it's still it's still a thing um but this is also something that i had thought in my head was that this was the perfumery that Grace kelly like that's her signature thing yeah turns out that was not it either that's just like some random story that was told yeah to write this book but i would yeah i was just i was expecting more like a a book based on grace kelly and these people just like maybe circulate around her and Mm -hmm. things like that and yeah no we've we um we start off where grace kelly you know does go into sophie's boutique and asks to be hidden and sophie hides her in the back and james comes in and you Know she gets James to leave, and in that act, James takes one of her business cards. And then later on, he goes to a photo shoot between Grace and the Prince of Monaco, their first, actually, first meeting of each other. And while he's like taking all these shots of her, of them like interacting with each other, he drops sophie's business card grace kelly picks it up smells the fragrance on the card and you know then calls up sophie and goes hey i you know need you to make a perfume for my sister and yeah. bring it to my hotel that i'm staying at and then sophie makes the perfume and takes it to gary's kelly and then now as she is there grace kelly is having dinner with all these famous hollywood celebrities and stars and yeah, Alfred Hitchcock's there. <laughs> like it's just name drop. <laughs> like, pretty much. Like it was just like a dinner of name dropping. And it was just like, okay, like and but it was all through Sophie's eyes. It was all through James's eyes. And I kind of was wanting more of a like behind the scenes of maybe what Grace was feeling at that time. Yeah. And I don't feel like in that forty percent that I read I didn't get that i got more of like sophie and her issues with her mother and how she feels trapped and she wants to you know make sure her let her father's legacy is you know protective and james is a struggling artist who is so tired of working for a newspaper and you know just wants to take beautiful landscape photos and he's
1: good at it and yeah you, so you you kind of referred to this as a steady book have you ever heard especially in the south Mm-hmm. when they refer to someone as sturdy. <laughs> it's kind of like in that terms of, oh, bless your heart, where it sounds really nice. That's why I laughed. But it's not. So He's sturdy. Is, He's this reliable. Is, this, is a, yeah, this is a sturdy book, okay? It's... It's gonna get the job done. It's it. It has a nice it's, pace. It's someone it's enjoyable. A
0: negative connotation, per but se. it's it's
1: not a super good compliment. You're not being like, oh, he's hot, or oh, he's. Have you seen his muscles? Or he is one of the best gentlemen I've ever met. So sweet. No, it, if you're calling him sturdy, sturdy, it just means that he shows up on time. He's reliable. He's dependent He's safe. Safe. Yes, like, this is a safe book. But sometimes you don't want a safe book. Well,
0: you just want more. Yeah. And I just more. was. I, I just. I felt. That was one of my reasons why I kind of like stopped. I was like I wasn't getting what I wanted out of the book. Mm-hmm. um, So. And I felt like I was lied to. I was like okay. The, the synopsis makes me feel like we're going to get more. We're going to get three point of views. Yep. Instead of just two
1: point of views. And I actually have a thought though. Okay. So you know how sometimes you get really into a series. And then mm-hmm. you just need a safe book to get you out of. Yeah that headspace that's not to say that this book might not been good for a different time no but i think that's a whole nother point to make when it comes to reading being fun is that sometimes you need a specific niche filled Mm -hmm. at that point right and this book just wasn't doing it
0: no and
1: i just feel like that's a point to be made
0: no and i think that's a valid point to be made i wasn't really looking for a filler or a placeholder book Mm -hmm. or something just to be there i wanted another you know Serpent and Dove. I wanted another... I can't remember what we read in February, but it was really great, and I don't remember what it was.
1: Um, Are you you talking about the one? The one? Yeah, that one. one. Uh uh Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Sadie! Sadie! We read Sadie! (laughs) (laughs) She beat
0: me. (laughs) Sorry about that clap in your Uh. ear, guys. But, um... And then we read Sadie, and Sadie was so good, and it was... Even though it was gritty and raw, and it made me feel... Disgusting. Well, and on top of that... It was just that,
1: good! You can tell Sadie was good because we both tried reading it in mm. multiple formats. Because even though it was so good, it was kind of weird to get into. Yeah. And when a book is that gripping, mm-hmm. that even though you've had to put it down a couple times and try a different format, mm-hmm. it's still that good that you want to keep reading. Yeah. This is nothing against Meet Me in Monaco. I'm not singling out this book in general. Yeah. But some books are just not a Sadie-type book where you I just, have to get... Get into yeah, it. some books are not going to be a Serpent and Dub type book where you're like, I need a sequel right now. <laughs> Give it to me, you know. And and there there's something to be said about safe time filler books. Yeah.
0: But I just in this instance, I technically I guess I should have read this prior to the other book that I had planned for March. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't I don't know, but I just I felt lied to, and then I mean. Based on that, the plot was okay. It's not like the plot wasn't bad at all. It was a good plot. On any other day, I probably could read this and have no quirms. I mean, it's one, it's a romance, and I love romance books. Yes, you do. But I have also come to terms with the whole how I like my romance. So I am now starting to realize in the romance genre, I will more or less gravitate to rom-coms. Mm-hmm or friends to or no enemies, enemies to, to lovers,
1: lovers yes. tropes that's what i was hoping you would say because i was like come on
0: now those are the things that i tend to like in my romance that's what i tend to like on tv and i think
1: it's not even necessarily like the an enemies to lovers for you your rom-com thing mm-hmm. unexpected love things are yes. what you gravitate I,
0: I like the funny like Wait a second! They don't know that they like each other. Kind of moments, like yeah. it's blatantly obvious. Like I finished um, Cinderella and the Four Nights, which is a Korean
1: drama. I started it. I love it so much. I couldn't get into it. It was too weird. <sighs>
0: I love it so much. Okay, I'm gonna like, say okay.
1: So like the first
0: episode is that's really, all I watched. Is is it's really weird in the sense of she runs into this. Hold m- on, spoilers go ahead for this for this particular yeah, yeah for the drama that i that she started and i finished um episode one is very very weird in the sense that it's it's one of those it's how they introduce all the characters yes so you're gonna you're gonna meet all the gentlemen that are gonna be in and out of her life you're gonna meet the chairman you're gonna meet the female lead and the secondary female lead yeah and the interaction that you get right there is that he basically she wants to become a teacher and she has been working non-stop getting really good grades, grades and, and saving up all her money to go to college works consistent job like multiple jobs and her stepmom and her stepsister, of course, are the quintessential awful, awful people. They don't like her. They don't
1: take care of her like they should. She's and- working like multiple jobs to just try to make ends meet. She does a delivery thing. She works at a gas station mm-hmm. at that gas station. It's any convenient. food that they're going to they're going to throw out or whatever. Yeah, she she gives to her. Well, she sort of takes it. But like, even though he kind of argues with her, or like he, he gives, gives it, 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 to, it her, to her. Like
0: It's because like, we she's a nice anyway? person. Yeah. Um, But she ends up running into one of the main gentlemen that we will be having in the series and he needs a fake girlfriend. So he basically tells her, hey, I need a fake girlfriend. You need cash. Why can't we come up with a situation? Okay,
1: yeah, but then when he gets there, she's not a fake girlfriend. She's a fake fiancé, which he didn't tell her. And then he puts her in a mock wedding dress Mm -hmm. and tries to marry her at his grandpa's wedding. Tries to have, like, a dual wedding. I know. It was the weirdest thing I have ever seen in my life. If you keep
0: watching, though, if you finish that episode all the way out, because now it sounds like you didn't even finish the episode. Because these episodes are an hour long. I might not have. Um, if you continue to go, she actually puts that guy in his place, basically like grabs his arm and like flips it to where he's like, Oh, on no, his I knees, remember that in front of everyone, everybody and, then and apologizes, apologizes to the grandpa. She apologizes to the grandfather and then she makes him apologize as well. And then they go back behind the scenes and him and our main female and then the two other gentlemen that are cousins to the other gentleman are pretty much, like, yelling at, not yelling at, but forcibly talking to him about, like, how, what big of a jerk you are, how dare you do this, uh-huh. that was so disrespectful, um, but then the, you know, that was, but then they also go at her for, like, being fake- yeah. And just like, oh, he just hired you and threw money at you. you you're you worthless. You're not. Yeah. You're you know, a money, money gold digger. Money gold digger. And one of the cousins just like chucks money at her and she gets really upset with him too. She grabs all the money, throws it back in his face and goes, you should not do this just because you are wealthy and you are well off does not mean other people are and you should not take measures to assume anybody's positions within yeah in the world well come to find out the chairman these their grandfather sees her do this with both of these these guys and finds out who she is calls her into his like office and basically offers her a a deal you will go live at my my house, my summer house for my grandchildren. You will live with my grandchildren and you will get them to do things to that, be more like a family. Yeah. Get them to not be jerks to each other. Yeah, pretty or much. like everybody else. Uh, yeah. Be, make them better. Make them the people that they, you know, they should be. And at first she, of course, denies it. She's like, no, I'm not going to do this. This is ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. And then. The chairman pretty much gives her an offer she can't refuse. I will pay your tuition 100% to go to school. Is he also
1: going to pay to get her mom's uh, mm-hmm. thing out? Okay. Because that, that kind of broke my heart. Yeah. Because, um, like, she, her mom, and it's, it's I, I guess it is Korean culture to have, like, those little shrines. Yeah, are yeah. And They don't um, bury. They're, they're dead. Her stepmom, mm-hmm. even though she was supposed to be paying the, mm-hmm. the bill on it, didn't just didn't do Lane, it Lane did not and do so it. all of her mom's stuff is in a storage container somewhere and she can't pay tribute to her mom anymore no. which is like killing her and i was like oh oh that's so sad <laughs> yeah that's the first thing that the chairman does is he's like i'll make sure that this gets paid and
0: you don't have to yeah worry about it anymore and then on top of that if you do everything that i want you to do i will pay for you to go to college and you don't have to worry about anything yeah so she agrees, and she goes and moves into Hanatura House, and the one rule at Hanatura House is you cannot date. You cannot date any of the boys that are there. So yeah. none of my grandchildren you can date. And that's kind of, like, how it starts off. But then from that point on, it's, you know, he he basically, like, the first thing is you have to get them all to sit together and have a meal. So she has to find a way to get all of these guys <laughs> that hate each other to come and sit down and how she does it is very very sneaky and very very like ingenious too. She just happens to leave her date book out and some of the pages are ripped out. Well, one of the pages that are ripped out, one of the cousins or, one, yeah, one of the cousins sees it and sees that there's, like, a birthday sticker on a date that happens to be that day. And in their... They think, they think it's, it's her, her birthday. birthday. <laughs> and so... So one of the cousins that is actually really sweet and, like, caring, like, the really good one, um, he basically forces the other two to, to be, come to dinner, to come to dinner because they he's like it's her birthday we should do something good nice for her and like welcoming her and this that and the other and of course they're like butlers they're like mm-hmm. the the uh, gentleman that helps the chairman
1: <laughs> he gets roped into stuff too wait you mean the one that they duct tape to the ceiling or is that a different butler now like before they all go they they like threw a party at the summer house and destroyed it and, like, when the grandpa or somebody got there, the the butler was duct-taped to a ceiling thing. Oh, gosh. I that was, like, know. the very beginning of the episode when they're, like, introducing who all of these people are. And one of the cousins threw a party and mm-hmm. destroyed the summer house and duct-taped the butler to the... And he was like, I'm leaving. I'm not working here anymore or whatever.
0: I don't remember that part, to be honest. I, it's his, like, secretary is what they... Oh, okay. So it. not the guy at the house. Never mind. No, it it was the second. The secretary honestly help or takes care of them and does. things.
1: I'm, it's not that I'm not willing to try it. Just the first episode with the weird wedding. You gotta was get like that, I that's know.
0: literally the setup point to basically show how bad his grandchildren are and yeah. how like narrow minded these these boys are. And through. Her time with them, they do grow as individuals. You you come to turn, they come to terms with a lot of issues that they're dealing with between the, between themselves and their grandfather because yeah. all of their fathers are dead. Oh yeah. So and all they have are their moms, and so like that that whole dynamic of losing a parent and having to grieve with that and how we, how it how la 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 la, having to move <laughs> forward yes in life. Um, that That is a very big thing. But
1: it's so sweet. It's so good. I love it so, so very much. And I feel like I would definitely have more time for that now. I mean, just here in a week mm-hmm. or so once I'm finally done, done at the juvie. Mm-hmm. And I can have a little bit more time. Yeah, because it's not in English. Time. So you have to sit down and actually. I it's actually. Up to which is. I, I, first of all, I, I still love subbed animes subs, <laughs> like, movies. So I love it. But you have to be able to pay attention. And, like, I don't want to put something on when mm-hmm. I'm, like, half falling asleep and I can't sit there and read it. I don't mm-hmm. want to put it on when I have work to do. I, I can't understand it in the background, you know? Yeah. So and I that's be also kind of going time.
0: back to Meet Me in Monaco. I feel like that was a big issue with me. I had... Excuse me, I have the hiccup. <laughs> that's
1: what she has.
0: <laughs> that's what I have. That was an issue that I also had with Meet Me Monaco. Like, I originally had started to try to do it in a physical book format i think i made like a chapter or two and then i was like eh, this is i'm gonna have to change formats which for me that's not big of a deal i don't mind honestly doing that yeah especially this early into reading so i literally was like okay i'll give you my copy of the book i can do it via audio it'll all work out even via audio like when i would put it on i would like try to do some house tours i was just like Bleh. yeah yeah I, don't, I didn't want it. I did not physically want it in the background. I would have wanted anything else. And I feel like that speaks to the pace of the book, the story itself, like the plot. It just, it's like you said, it was very sturdy and it just wasn't, it just wasn't there. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't what you wanted. <laughs> no. And also the pacing was not not good for a romance. So, like most romances, are are you hit the ground running and you're and you're doing stuff and they they have the meet cue and then things happen after the meet cue and it's a consistent drive yeah. and it ramps up and escalates into that max point or the action point and then you have the descent. I'm sorry, your book. If I'm almost to a fifty percent mark on a book, I should be almost at escalation point or. Dang near close to escalation point. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I wasn't. Now, unless this book, book's action point is different, and I just wasn't catching on, maybe. But like, so they finally, Sophie and James finally go on a date, and by date, I mean she shows them or she shows him around the factory.
1: Ooh. Ooh. How romantic. Mm-hmm. And then now, they I go mean, back to know. And then they go back
0: to her place, have dinner, have this one somewhat
1: passionate kiss, and then her mom walks in. Now, I take that back when I say romantic about that, only because at that point, she's trying to be like, hey, this is the most important thing to me. You should probably know that before we start getting hot and heavy and involved. Mm. This is my life. This is my baby. I'm very proud of it. Me and my dad created it together. Whatever. Yes. Like. It was I, a sweet thing. It was I, a I, good I, thing. I'm not saying that's not romantic. But when you're going on a date, I imagine, you know, especially in Monaco, a dinner, a walk, you know, down the streets, Maybe some light window shopping, no. uh, having gelato at you know ten no. p.m. and fireworks are going off in the background. No, and, no, that's not what you and got. I got. Nothing. You got, I got nothing. You got a perfume factory visit followed yeah. by dinner at a house where someone's mother was also <laughs> walks it in. Just doesn't seem it was super romantic. No, cool. and
0: I was like, I don't know. I just. And I was like, I kind of stopped after that point. I'm like, if that's the climax, that's sad. Yeah. Because we're expecting all of these characters to be over a 30-year period of time, per what it says on the back of the book. Like, no, 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 no. 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 I just, just that whole plot. Like, it was just, and it's broken up between Sophie's point of view and James' point of view, and that's it. And James goes back and forth between Cannes and England. So like you're jumping between like countries. So you're jumping between like actual scenery and I'm just like cinematically I'm thinking this is not okay. Yeah.
1: This is not okay. Well cause we talked about that with sadie mm-hmm. how if you look at it from a cinematic view it also it, it might actually be better than in book form mm-hmm. In this one cinema cinema wouldn't even match what the book is describing is kind of what you're maybe it, i'm hearing you wrong no
0: and okay so case in point we follow james while he's taking his trip in monaco and photographing grace kelly when he gets back to england we have a good few chapter sections of him where he's just in england and then we're also flipping back then to sophie who's in Cannes and is seeing grace kelly and doing all this stuff with the perfume i'm like if you
1: think cinematic wise there's no way you can slice that well and no offense but if you, if you have a character like Grace Kelly, okay, mm-hmm. where you're going to all these fancy parties with artists or whatever, mm-hmm. why do I want to know what James is doing in England? Go back to Cannes, Like, yeah. go, go back to Monaco. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. No. It just seems Agreed. boring. It seems boring. It,
0: it, it was. It was like, I, and I didn't get the connection. I got more of a connection with Sophie and I think that was more or less because of the father-daughter connection. hmm you know, like she loved her dad. You know, her dad was very important to her. He went off to serve in the war and unfortunately didn't come back.
1: James also. I like how, in how she worded war. that though, because that was on like the first couple pages, which mm-hmm. is all I got through. But she said something about how her dad wasn't a war man, like yeah. or, or, or something like that. And he I wasn't. Just, he was not made for war. Yeah, and I just like that because she never said. Oh, you know, he was over there and he wasn't strong. Or he was over there and he couldn't do this. He couldn't. She just said, my father was amazing, but he wasn't meant for war. And I feel like that is just such mm-hmm. a beautiful description of a person. Yeah. Because he still went over there. He still did his duty. He did everything he was supposed to do. But not everybody is meant for war. And like, oh, God, mm-hmm. that, like, touched my heart.
0: Yeah. And they kind of touch base on how um, James was one of the people that came in on Normandy. Oh, so, like, he has slight, not not PTSD. You would think if James did Normandy, he would have PTSD, but I guess... Maybe he's just got a little bit of trauma. I mean... N- well, I'm trying to remember, because my husband, of course, is the better one when it comes to knowing wars and how things happen. I do know that France, or not France, the U.S. and the U.K. boats came in at different points. Yes. So, like the US got it worse because we were lower on the beach, and yes. you and the UK came in higher on the beach. But I mean, it was still bad, it was like, still bad no
1: matter what. Normandy, no matter what, was, yeah,
0: because Normandy was really bad. But because we're not told really what happens, you're not here in the US, we're not given that detailed of an education unless you go to college and you actually like dive into that exactly. Um, you make that your major, yeah. which we did (laughs) but we would not we wouldn't know how bad the uk had it so like hearing that from james's point of view about how like him and another gentleman who were wartime photographers that jump out of normandy run up on the beach and like he just says all i remember is the smell of burning flesh of men screaming and me huddled in the sand waiting to die I mean, like that that's still very powerful, and he can yeah. kind of relate to what Sophie is going through, the loss of a father who had to do something similar to that. Yeah. But even that flavoring of James wasn't very brought out. Mm-hmm. You would think he'd be much more hardened, much more like affected by that. But he's not. Yeah. He talks maybe in the first two of, the first two of his chapters where when he came back, life was different, life was harder, you know, me and my wife didn't get along so well, and we were a wartime marriage, which he basically uses his bad behavior as that, as that is the excuse. We were young, we were wartime lovers, she got pregnant, I did the right thing. Yeah. End of end of discussion, and like, if you're not
1: willing to put in the work, don't get married. But well, I mean, but this was also a different time. You have to realize this didn't happen in 2015. Like, this book is set in what the
0: late 1950s. Yeah,
1: so I I don't necessarily hate that. That's what he said, only because. That is 1,000% ex- expected at that point. You no. get her pregnant, you marry her, you take care of, you know, her and the kid. Well, and even
0: then, like, and then all, all he says is that she complains constantly. Your job is ridiculous. Your job is stupid. You're never home. You're never a good father. You're always jaunting off at random hours. And he's like, I'm a newspaper paper photographer yeah that's how we make money yeah he's like you want money
1: (laughs) i take photo
0: (laughs) and he just kind of like states like she never really understood
1: that about him and well i I can't necessarily argue with him on that either i wouldn't want to be married to somebody that was constantly like i hate your job and i hate that you're not here and just constantly complaining all the time Mm -hmm. like i wouldn't be happy Mm -hmm. but at the same time like you've got her and a kid and you kind of yeah. you already made a commitment marriage is like a big thing like Neither. i agree with you nowadays it's 2021 y'all can make that decision don't get married if you're not going to put the work into it i know people that literally are saying that they're never going to get married but they've been in committed relationships for seven eight years and you know that's fine with them they don't need a piece of paper saying that they're married but like if you're mm-hmm. actually going to go up in front of your family and your friends in 2021 and you are going to commit to a life with someone yeah. then put in the effort and i know this is going to sound really hypocritical coming from a divorcee. <laughs> I hear what you're saying okay there is a time and place for divorce that's all i'm gonna say on that subject but put in the work guys like that's yeah
0: yeah i, I it's agree legit. with that i just you have all these great nuggets of information that are given to you up front but then like the characters don't thrive off that they don't like Maybe it was just James doesn't really thrive off that, and maybe it's because he's a middle-aged man in the 1950s, and that's just how yeah. the author decided to depict him. But uh, Sophie, you do feel some passion that mm-hmm. she has for what she's doing for the perfumery and things like that, but her boyfriend is a jerk and is a French jerk, yeah. which is even worse. Even worse. <laughs> like He's, he's a all- jerk and he's French. <laughs> yeah. There's a point where she is at a dinner with Grace Kelly and all these really big Hollywood celebrities and she just happens to look across the restroom, or restroom, <laughs> restaurant, restaurant. <laughs> restaurant, and sees her boyfriend that she's been in a committed relationship for a few years, sitting at a table with another woman and this woman was openly flirting with him and he is just like blase, kind of blase about it, but he also is flirting back. Yeah. But then he has the audacity to get up, go across there introduce himself as her boyfriend and, like, basically tell her off for her bad drunken behavior and grabs her by the arm and, like, pulls her out of the restaurant.
1: Wow. Yeah. No. And she... No. And then... Yeah. No.
0: And then then she kind of falls for James after that.
1: I don't... Like I said, I only read a little bit. But when she's talking about me one second to find it okay. um when Sophie is talking about her dad mm-hmm. and just smelling perfumes I was kind of oh, thinking yeah, yeah. that she's gonna be the type of person and this is literally like the first page or two mm-hmm. like um when you meet somebody that is um what you a connoisseur of perfume I don't know what the per- no, particular think, um, word would I be for it I don't know what it just somebody that is a connoisseur yeah it's kind of like what a sommelier would be for wine but this Mm -hmm. is for this is for perfume you always hear people like oh yes i can detect hints of lavender and blah 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 and there's a skunk in this perfume but it's supposed to be there look i've heard somebody say that it it has a skunky texture or not texture it has a skunky scent to it but it just it, it brings out that little bit of lemon and no i don't want skunk in my perfume excuse you but I like how they describe it better because instead of asking her what she smells, her dad asks you, what do you see? Mm -hmm. Because she wanted to know where the scent took her. And this is how she says it. A touch of jasmine hinted at a carefree day in the sun. Wood smoke conjured a cool autumn night and a rich cassoulet for supper. Dry earth evoked our home in is it grass 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 um a stone farmhouse surrounded by sunflower and lavender fields i could almost taste the dust from the parched earth on my tongue as i fell into memory of paper with smudged ink she she does she went to a place
0: yeah she does that multiple times throughout the book and that's why i say i I do i feel like there is that connection with sophie that we get that and we the author did an amazing job or the authors there's two sorry they did an amazing job with actually, like, fi- figuring out how perfume was made originally. Taking those essence and oils and rolling them out and, and, like, infusing them. Because Sophie does it the old-fashioned way. They There's a lot of discussion in the book where, you know, should Sophie sell out and start doing everything synthetically?
1: Yeah. Because that's becoming the new big thing. Because you can make more product. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that because you can tell... When she's making her perfumes... And this is, I feel like, how you should do anything in life. If you have a passion for something in life, don't... Uh, what's what's the word? Don't settle for mm-hmm. anything less than perfection in your passion. Yeah. And Sophie doesn't. She's like, unless I can be taken and transported to another place with the smell I'm creating, it doesn't matter if it's okay. It doesn't matter if it's decent. It doesn't matter if it's good. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't transport me, it's not finished. right? So, and I feel... That was the only time... I mean, like I said, I didn't get to read it. Mm -hmm. um, Not because I didn't want to. I just couldn't find the time to read it. But if you're going to have a passion in life, I want you to be like Sophie. Yeah. Don't settle for anything less than perfection because you deserve it. It's your passion. It's what makes you happy.
0: I think if I was honestly going to pick what the authors did right, that I think is the... That is one of the key points within this book that I have to say is phenomenal the the knowledge that they put forth through Sophie and how these scents are created and made and blended is an art form and it is so well researched and and explained in this book that I actually did enjoy that that was part that was like the few moments in the book where I was just like yes I love that about this novel and I think the only other time that I found that to be something that I enjoyed was when James was talking about how he tried to find moments that were not the expected photos. So like when he was photographer, when he's going through the shoot between Grace Kelly and the Prince of Monaco, he, you know, he's taking photos left and right. But they're not the money shot, is what he calls them. They're just showing Grace Kelly as Grace Kelly. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's gorgeous. She's effortless. But at the same time, she's still a person. And he's catching those moments of her where she's just, like, maybe enjoying a potted plant. Or, you know, the prince says a joke and she might laugh. He might snap that photo. But, but that's what gets him in trouble is he's not providing those money shots that the paper wants. He's more doing more candid photos. And he even goes on to say in his chapter at that point, he's like, I never wanted to do. I didn't want to be a paparazzi. I didn't want to. Yeah, I never wanted to do this. I always like setting up my camera, making sure the lighting is right. He's like, I really enjoy He he was like, I really wish I could have gone through the countryside in cans and taken photos of flowers and fields. See, but they
1: kind of actually talk about that in. um, If you guys (laughs) haven't seen it, there's a Hulu documentary that was done. I want to say by people. It's called Freeing Britney or something like that. Oh God! Look, first of all, it's it's not the Britney documentary. It is is. the Britney. It's the Britney documentary. But they interview a couple of the paparazzi that are most famous for having beef with Britney, and every single one of them admitted. I did not get into being a paparazzi because I wanted to be a paparazzi. Do you know how much money they can make for mm-hmm. a single shot of Britney? A single shot can get them over a million dollars. I bet. Especially if she's mucking up. Well, exactly. A, a single shot can get you a million dollars? Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Get it. I mean, I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. But every single one of them was like, I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be this, but... Art doesn't pay you a million dollars. And one of them even made a comment like, yeah, I get a couple of good shots and then I can take an entire year and actually practice my craft. So he's like, yeah, I piss some celebrities off for sure, but that's how I get paid. And all I could think of is, you know how people will get into those jobs where like
0: mm-hmm. you,
1: telemarketers. Yeah, I don't. I didn't get into a job to be a telemarketer, but it pays the bills, and mm-hmm. I know it's going to piss some people off, but I have bills to pay. Yeah. So I feel like that's almost kind of where he was at, where he wanted to be an artist, he wanted to do candid shots, but that's not what paid his bills. And he had mm-hmm. a kid. Like, yeah. You, you know, he got responsibilities. Yeah.
0: No, and I, those are those two nuggets that I found within what I was reading to be really genuine, honest, and actually made the book slightly worthwhile. I would not have kept going. Yeah. If I didn't have, if I hadn't have hit those points within the book. Now, unfortunately, after the whole debacle of them kissing, mom walks in, throws the biggest fit in the world. At that point, I was like, I'm only 40% in. And it's not grabbing me. Exactly. It's not making me want to stay. Yes, there are good moments. Yes, there are good points. But I'm not, I'm not staying. And that is my biggest no-no for a book if you cannot keep my attention if you cannot keep me invested i'm sorry there are other things out there that i could read or interact with that might be more pleasurable than this and unfortunately that's what happened i picked up another book immediately after i picked up meet me in monaco um the villain city that i bought on our haul
1: yeah
0: uh read maybe two chapters of that it wasn't grabbing my attention and i said screw it and it went into the pile that's gonna go to half price and i just went on to the next one and if you want to know something um on how you read more books that unfortunately is the nugget of wisdom yeah don't waste the time if you are physically having issues reading the book or just coming up with excuses on on why I shouldn't read this or I should do this over read this book. Mm-hmm. That should be a huge red flag indicator that this book is not worth your time and it is not worth trying to finish. I don't, I've met so many people, Megan, and I'm pretty sure you have too, where they'll ask you, well, how do you read so much? Like, you and me read yeah. a lot. And the number one thing I always tell... I tell them two things. One, I make it a point to do it. So I find time within my day to do it, whether that is audio, excuse me, audio booking while I'm cleaning the house or driving or whatnot, or physically taking time at the end of my day to just sit down and read. And the other thing that I make known to those, the people that ask me that is I do not read books that do not keep my attention. If I am not invested and if I'm not going through and plowing through 50, 100 pages within you know a span of a few days, there's something wrong, yeah, so unfortunately, meet me in Monaco just didn't scratch the edge didn't
1: didn't do that, and I said farewell, so I don't know if you guys have like. I hope so. I don't know if you guys have ever listened to a podcast where like they have like a, a sign off or like a motto that they always say or something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I we don't really have one of those on here, but like <laughs> maybe like we'll put up a poll or something because all that keeps going through my head is like reading is not a requirement, and I think that's so fun that we could be like, "Hi guys, welcome to Wine and Dine, where reading is not a requirement, but fun is." Okay, I know that sounds dumb. I'm not going to make that. Actually, no, time. I think you that actually like that. Like that. <laughs> Okay, because, like, I think that would be fun. So let us know if you like that. But, like, that's – I feel like that's, like, the whole point of this – not just this episode, but of this podcast. Let we say it time and time again. Book club is supposed to be fun time for you and your girlfriends to sit down, to chit-chat, to have a glass of wine, to unload and Mm -hmm. gush about characters in a book that you're reading or whatever. Laugh, Mm -hmm. cry. Oh, my God. When Ashley and I first started our podcast, uh, we had just (laughs) finished – Uh, uh uh-huh me before you uh and that was like the (laughs) funnest book club we have ever done and we didn't do it on the podcast yes we did we definitely did we talked about it on the podcast We talked about the outcome of it. Yes, but we didn't talk... We didn't do, like, a book review on it. Yeah. But me and her, specifically, that was one of the most fun things. We barely talked about the book. What we talked about was the fact that I wept for hours after reading this book. And Ashley was like, I didn't cry at all. So we had an hour-long conversation (laughs) about how Ashley was a heartless vampire. And, like... (laughs) and but, like the and but we also still
0: talked about the book because we would pull out parts and be like i cried at this part where this happened and i can't did you not feel anything and then i would have to retort with yes i felt something
1: and just <laughs> that one indian tear came down and that was it that's all i had but that's what i'm talking about it's just supposed to be fun reading is not a requirement fun is so like if you guys are gonna take anything away from listening to our <laughs> podcast or this episode or your own book clubs in general don't just have fun that's the whole point i know i'm like getting excited and almost screaming at you guys to have fun like have you guys if you guys haven't seen brooklyn 99 i feel like i'm pulling a halt right now and it's like why is no one having fun i specifically requested it <laughs> Okay. But, okay one more thing that i thought of is mm-hmm. we agreed in the beginning that if we dnf a book it cannot get over a two that the that's our rating has to stay under a two but I thought it would be fun mm. if we had our own like DNF mm. rating system oh okay so even though we did not finish it what would we rate the portion that, that we I read? did read so this will oh, be no. part part of your percentage one mm-hmm. the research that went into writing the book okay would you give it a solid one half a point or no points I'd give it a full
0: point like okay. I mean if you're you are I'm not joking. Like, the detail that they provide to you when they're walking through the factory and Sophie's telling James how the perfume is made is spot on. Like, I went and even looked
1: it up. Like, it's it's legit. Yes. Legit, legit. The next one is your draw to the characters. This one, I feel like based uh, on what you've described, I, you got to give it a half a point. There's I, yeah, no I way think you I'll can give, give it a full it, point. I'm going to give him a half a point. Okay. I was going to say, if you wanted to give it less than that, but not a full point, definitely. No, I feel
0: like I did connect somewhat. I connect sometimes with Sophie. I did not connect at all at James, and I feel like that alone. I mean, that's one out of the two characters, so half a point.
1: Pacing. Zero? <laughs> zero or .25? I don't know. We can do, we can do I don't do feel it. like we should do point. We'll just do zero. Zero? I, okay. I, I was not feeling the pacing. The overall story.
0: Half a point. Okay. Just because of the simple fact that they lied to me.
1: They lied to me. They lied to me. Uh, and the last one is memorable moments. Things that me wanted to talk about that you were like, even though I didn't finish the book, this was really good and I need to talk about it. Half a point. Half a point. All right. So it looks like overall it still only got a 2.5 on our <laughs> DNF scale. So guys, look. You can always read books that we don't rate highly. You can always have a different opinion than us. I mm-hmm. mean, you're wrong, obviously, but hey, I'm kidding. kidding. Don't tell them that. I'm kidding. Or am I? <laughs> um, but no, degenerates. You can always have you know read things. But in our opinion, both of us did not finish this book. No. Both of us have to give it a two. We can't even give it the two point five. But even if we did a TNF rating scale. It only got a 2.5, so read with caution, maybe? I feel like if you're you're just wanting
0: to read a, a solid, just right down the middle, love story that takes place in That's the 1950s. Little, little that, romance, little <laughs> historical fiction. Yeah, throw in Grace Kelly there somewhere and you go for it. I know... I know there's better books out there
1: that talk about Grace Kelly and her life. Well, and there's better historical fiction books. Like, oh, what's that? I haven't read the book, but there's a movie that I thought did a really good job at historical fiction. It's got Owen Wilson in it, which was a weird... You mean Midnight in Paris? Midnight in Paris. That's my That's my jam. If you want to do... That is my jam right there. If you want to do a book or a movie oh. that's a historical fiction where you're name-dropping celebrities, <sighs> Midnight in Paris is how you do it. Oh, I love... Okay, so sidetracked. Another tangent here for a few
0: minutes because we we technically sidetracked tangent for uh the for, Cinderella, Cinderella and on the, the Four Nights. nights. <laughs> but you know, what Um That was that my dad actually watched that movie first, Midnight in Paris, and he was like, I didn't expect or Owen Wilson to be so serious in this movie. And he's like telling me kind of like the plot line. I am like, you know what? I'm gonna watch this because it sounds interesting and oh my it was good. Gosh. Right? It is so good, especially if you want to you know just watch something that you're you yourself might have feelings about sometimes in this day and age. There's just this loss of mysticism almost or yeah. wonderment. Um and I feel like Midnight in Paris brings that kind of into perspective. They're in Paris. The most magical beautiful city blah 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 in the world that is a point of view that can be taken each way i honestly don't see paris as that grand but i'm more of an italy child myself i think venice is the most magical place in the world but that's my point of view but you know for owen wilson's character he's like you know there he wants to tap into that magic And, you know, they're going to all these museums and they're, you know, being shown around by this one snooty guy. Um, And you can can just tell, like, you know, he's a writer and he's in Paris and he loves the Roaring Twenties in Paris because you have all these big authors that were there all at one time. And, you know, Gertrude Stein and Hemingway Mm -hmm. and all these big authors that really made an impact on american literature and
1: literature in whole well and him
0: i mean mm-hmm. and like he he they talk about what it means to be in the golden age of the world and like that's an, another thing in that storyline that i really liked well and
1: that's again they they nailed a historical fiction mm-hmm. so I just and then the feel like... the actor who gets to play uh, Hemingway is so oh odd. yes well I feel like the almost the entire cast and look I am not an Owen Wilson fan I think that he's just a weird guy and he's got a he has weird a... accent like the weirdest accent ever wow <laughs> wow
0: you know that's southern right I just can't do it
1: I can't it's it's weird but. He was perfect for that cast. He was. Most of the cast is perfect. Um, I just. The Fitzgerald. The people who play the Fitzgeralds. Yeah. That was. Whew. You can't see me right now. But I'm doing the. You know the, the little kiss mm-hmm. thing you do when you have good food. It's like. Mwah. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's
0: the no. hand sign I'm making. So maybe that needs to be a segment when we do DNFing then. Don't read
1: that. Do read this. this. Yes. Mm-hmm i'm adding it i'm, I'm <laughs> ready to write it down before i do. ask her i've written like four <laughs> notes while i've been writing this and i always feel like such a jerk because i mm-hmm. feel like okay i'm not i'm not being attentive now like now i'm not listening to what she's saying but like i am i'm trying to do both but i like because i'm listening to what she's saying i have to write this down so i don't okay, forget I think it and you're fine <laughs> i think
0: it's okay i think they will understand um but yeah if if we happen to dnf another book we will look back on this and hopefully remember to do all these things for you again because well, God only
1: knows we don't remember stuff. And you guys can almost think of it as like blind date with a book, which is a cute little segue into something you'll get to hear next episode. Um, when, we, <laughs> <laughs> when we drop uh, our April book, I'm not telling you guys what it is, but we did it kind of blind date with a book style. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but we'll post some examples on our Instagram later of what that looks like. But basically the theme is if you like books like this, you will like, you will like this. this. And they usually, like, wrap it, and mm-hmm. it's a secret. You don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can do that, but it's almost opposite. Mm-hmm. We didn't like this, <laughs> so <laughs> instead read that. this. <laughs> yeah, pretty
0: much. But. Pretty much. But, you know, like we've said this whole episode, you don't have to take our word for it. Go read it yourself. Go find it at your local library,
1: Barnes Noble's, Half Price, wherever books are sold near you. And then let us know what you think about it. You can always find us on Twitter, Instagram, and at our Gmail, at winendinepod at gmail.com.
0: Well, that wraps up today. So I'm Ashley. I'm Megan. And this is Wine Wine and Dine.